thank you so much. I want to talk tonight about invites which have an eternal impact. And we're going to read uh, a story Jesus tells in Luke 14, starting at verse 15. When one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. How do you make invites with eternal impact? I wonder if you've ever thought about it like this, that every connection you make in your life is an opportunity for an invitation, and every invitation is an opportunity for a deeper connection. You know, every time you're invited to something, generally speaking, it's like an opportunity to grow, to develop a friendship. People are saying, come and join. Come and share this experience. Come and see this thing. Come and celebrate with us. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. And we would, we would like you to be with us. We want you to share this experience. And actually, maybe you're here Tonight, because someone has invited you, and you're curious, you're like, I wonder what motivated them to invite me here tonight. I wonder what this is all about. Because it's fascinating, some of the most significant things we do in our lives, whether it's forge a career, or raise a family, or build a relationship, actually take quite a lot of our lives. It can take years to do those things, and they're really significant, but some of the most significant opportunities we have can only take a few moments. It can only take a few moments to invite someone to explore more about Jesus. But that's something which, though it only takes a few moments, can have an impact for the whole of their life and beyond their life. And we probably all have people in our lives who maybe don't yet know Jesus. Maybe it's a friend or someone we've known for years, someone we've maybe only just started to get to know in the last few months. Maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend or someone you'd quite like to become your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Um, oh, nervous laughter up there. And um, uh, maybe it's a, a child or a parent, a husband or a wife, maybe a colleague at work or maybe even your boss. But what if I told you that it was possible for that person on the back of an invite you make to have encountered Jesus by Christmas. Would you be excited by that? Would you believe that it might be possible? What if I told you that it could even be probable on the back of an invite you make that that person by Christmas, just in a few months, would have started to develop a relationship with Jesus? So how can we make invites that have an eternal impact? Well, that's what this passage speaks to. It tells us to experience the wonder 
and to extend the invitation. Now, Jesus tells this story to a group of people who knew this promise in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 25, that one day God would gather up his people from all the corners of the earth, from every single nation under the sun, and bring them together and would have then like the party to end all parties, the finest food, the best wine, and just have this amazing party. That's why this guy says to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. And in response, Jesus tells this story about a person throwing a huge party, a great banquet. And this was a culture in which eating together in celebration was the focal point of the whole community, kind of the centerpiece of the social scene. People would gather together and celebrate and connect and honor each other around a meal with amazing food. You know, kind of roast lamb and wine and everything like that. Still happens today in the Middle East. In England, we have quiche. (laughs) But there's this honoring of people. And, 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 And in those days, you couldn't just say, okay, let's throw a party, you know, Uber Eats or grab something out of the fridge. You had to, you know, if you're gonna throw a feast for this many people, You had to kind of prepare in advance. You had to butcher the meat. You had to prepare the meat. You had to roast the meat. So what you would do is you would say to people, you'd send out the invites, you'd say to people, look, I'm going to have a party. I'd love you to come. And then you'd make all the preparations, get the meat ready, get everything ready, get all the wine ready, get everything ready. And then when it was just the moment, you would send out your people, or if you're rich, you'd send out your servants, and you'd say, now's the moment, come. Come now, now, it's all ready, it's all, it's all ready. It's all just about to kick off. And for the people who were sent with that message, it was actually quite a fun and exciting thing because you've been there in the house all day. You've smelt the food being cooked. You've seen the wine. You've maybe heard the music being you know, rehearsed. You've felt the buzz and the vibe building through the day. And then at that moment, you get to go out and gather people who know this is going to be an awesome party at huge expense, great cost. And you know that you can just gather them and say, now's the time, come, we're going to go to this fantastic party. And they would be excited to come too. Because everyone knew these were parties that you never wanted to miss. Now the thing is, we're in a slightly different position today because some of the people we're inviting don't automatically think, you know, if you said to them, you know, over coffee on a Monday morning, would you like to go to Alpha? You know, they're not automatically thinking, yeah, I've heard about that thing. It's going to be this amazing vibe, huge party, can't miss it, you know, let me be there. Or if you said to them, you know, at the water cooler on Tuesday morning, would you like to come to church sometime with me? You know, they might not be thinking straight away, church, yes, I've heard about that. That's where the best parties happen. I can't wait to come. I was waiting for someone to invite me to the church. And there's for a number of reasons that sometimes there's some kind of like barriers that get in people's way. So one of the barriers might be that they just have misconceptions about what church is. They kind of think, well, I, I kind of experienced that a little bit, and I'm not sure I want to go back there. Or maybe they've, you know, they've got preconceptions because of what they experienced maybe when they were a kid, or because of um, maybe they went to chapel at school, and they thought that was a bit dusty and a bit dry, and I'm not sure that's how I want to spend a really fun time. Or maybe they've, um, 
you know, they're just really busy in life. And I'm like, do I need another thing in my life? It's so busy. Or maybe they're thinking, you know, actually, this is just a really full-on period at work. I'm not a lot of pressure. I'm not sure I've got time to explore the meaning of life at this moment in time. Thank you very much. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe for them, you know, they're, they're in a bit of a difficult relationship. They don't want to throw another piece of uncertainty in. Or maybe it's that they want to, um, you know, actually... Actually, they are actually very successful. And they're thinking, well, it's all right for some people if it's helpful for them. But for me, I'm absolutely nailing it in life at the moment. I'm hitting home runs for fun. I don't think I need a crutch in my life at this moment in time. Or maybe they're thinking, well, you know, yeah, okay, I like the idea of an invitation, but I just, not the right time, maybe next decade, that's probably the right time to explore things like that. Or maybe they're thinking, well, you know, yeah, but I'm I'm just not sure it's for me. Or maybe they're thinking, actually... There's things I've done in my life I'm not massively proud of. And I'm a bit worried if I go to church, then people kind of judge me for them, and I'll feel a little bit ashamed. I don't really want to put myself in that position. Or maybe they're just thinking, well, I'd love it for all to be true, but I just doubt a bit, and I'm not sure it is. And all those things kind of like can operate as a barrier from people even responding or even knowing about how exciting the party might be. And so if you're going to go to them and invite them, then you kind of have to go knowing what is exciting about what you're inviting them to. Like if you're going to extend the invitation, it helps if you've actually experienced the party. When I was, um, I went to quite a rough school and not many people went to university at all really, maybe just like three or four people in any year would ever go to university. And no one had ever been to kind of uh, like, uh, Oxford or Cambridge universities, but for some reason, I don't quite know how it happened, I ended up at Oxford University when I was 18 years old, and um, I was quite surprised to be there, and actually, if I'm honest, I think they were quite surprised that I was there as well, and um, one of the interesting things was, though, there were lots of things I'd never experienced before, which I experienced in that year, I kind of walked around for the whole time in a state of wonder, and one of them was that they had these parties, these huge parties, at the end of the year, in like the May, after everyone had finished their exams, and some of the colleges in the university would throw these huge epic parties. Now, I had never been to one of these parties. I didn't know what to expect. I've been to some house parties before. I've been to some dodgy nightclubs before, but I've never been to a ball like this. And um, one night, we're just sitting in our student house, and one of my mates, just we're just watching a film, a whole group of us, one of my mates suddenly bombed in at nine o'clock, and he said, who's coming with me? There's a guy on, I know, who's a doorman on this ball, and I think he could get us in. Who's up for it? And I was like, Okay, you know, what's the harm? But everyone else was like, no, the film's good. I'm a bit busy. It's nine o'clock. There's no guarantee it's going to be a great party. It's not worth the hassle. I'm like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? We drive 10 minutes. We get there. We come back. So I, so I jumped in a cab with this guy. We bombed across the other side of town. We turned up. We walked up to the front of the queue. Um, we said hi to the bouncer. We chatted to him, asked him how his day had been, you know, asked him if he'd had a difficult shift. Generally, I mean, general principle, it's really important to be nice to bouncers. Um, that's nothing to do with this passage. That's just a good life principle. Be nice to bouncers. And, um, and then eventually he said, well, on you go, lads, and you go. So we went in, and I walked in. And from the moment I walked into this ball, I thought, this is epic. 
there were thousands of people. There was all the food you could possibly imagine, free. There was all the drink you could possibly imagine, free. We went into the first venue. There was like an awesome band just playing amazing music. We were in there for a while. Then we went into the next one. There was a crazy cool DJ just dropping tune after tune after tune. We walked into the next venue. There was a stand-up comedian absolutely nailing it. Just hilarious. We're like, this is incredible. We walked out of there. Then we bumped into a fun fair. We were like, what is this doing here? This is amazing. And then we came off there, and then we found this kind of lawn, which led onto a lake, which led onto a river, and on the lake were boats, just boats you could just play with, like real-life boats, and you could just steer them around and have fun with them. I was like, this is crazy. I've never been to a party like this in my life. And for about two hours, we were kind of running around like kids in a sweet shop going, this is epic, this is epic, this is epic. And then I suddenly thought, my mates... Like, they're back here watching a rubbish film in a dingy student house. And I thought, I've got to tell them how amazing this party is. But here's the thing. It was a long time ago. Like, a really long time ago. Like, it was B.I. Before Instagram. And um, pre-2010. And these days, if you wanted to tell people about an amazing party, right, you just take it out, do a little Insta story, tag your mates, and then they would know and they would come. And let's be honest, some of you do that even though there's no hope of getting them in just because you want them to know what great time you are having <laughs> and that they can't be there. Um, but I wanted them to be there so I couldn't use my Insta stories. And actually, it was so long ago, I'm embarrassed to say this, that at that time, not every phone had a camera. I know, society still functions somehow, I don't know quite how. And, um, and so I couldn't just do that. I thought I could send a text, but a text isn't really going to communicate it. And I thought, I'm going to have to phone them and somehow, using only my words, communicate a visual image which is so compelling that through my speech and my voice, they'll want to come to this party. So I gave it my best shot, but they weren't that impressed. Anyway, so I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And I thought, let's just go. I can't bear the thought they're missing out. So we, we, we came out, waved at the bouncer, shook his hand, thanks, and came, got into a cab, and we went back to our student house, and I said to them, you've got to come. And they started going, man, 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 we can't be bothered. So why not? Why would you not come? They started making excuses. They said, it's quite late. It's 11 o'clock at night. I was like, are you 19 or 90? Get in the cab. And they were like, oh, no, 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 it's, um, it's really far. I was like, it's 10 minutes in the cab. They were like, oh, no, but I can't. I was like, it's an epic party, trust me. So we got them in the cab. We go all the way across town, back to this party, wave at the bouncer, in we go. And we got in, and they looked around, and they go, this is amazing. I'm like, I know. <laughs> they started phoning other people. By the time it got to 3 a.m., there were 30 of us just kind of dancing crazy with this super cool band out on this, by this lake. And one of the guys to me said, this has been one of the best nights of my life. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it's fascinating because when I was in the party, all I wanted to do was share the news with those who weren't in the party and let them know. And they were making these excuses which, on the face of it, like, it's a bit late, it's a bit far, it sounds okay, but they're crazy when you know how good the party is. And in this story, people say, oh, yeah, 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 I've been invited to the party, but, ugh, oh, you know, I just bought a field, and um, I've got to go and look at it. And you're like, okay, but, but don't you look at fields before you buy them? Like, oh, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and got to try them out. That's like buying a car and then taking it for a test drive. That's crazy. 
Like, oh, you know, I've just got married. That's just rude. <laughs> it's crazy. But here's the thing. Jesus, the only person who's ever been in heaven before he lived on earth, when he's trying to communicate a picture of what heaven is like, communicates an epic party. Don't know if that surprises you. And he's saying, like, we've got a foretaste of that party now. And I find it really easy to take that for granted. Because I kind of look at my mates working away, and they're kind of doing okay. They seem quite happy. They've got okay lives, nice holidays. And I think, well, why don't I just let them get on with it? But I really need to share this good news. And then I remember, no, this is life-changing, destiny-defining good news. But it's only good news if it gets there on time. And I suddenly realized what I've, what I've got like, that I take for granted, that I know the love of God. I've experienced the love of God poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit who has been given to me. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've heard his tender voice affirm me as a much-loved child of God. Now, I've seen the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. I, I can't take that for granted. This is amazing. And the thing is, you can kind of take it for granted, but if you do, people are never going to hear. They're never going to hear unless I tell them. So if Martin just comes up now. So Martin, if you just want to come up, that's amazing. Thanks so much. Just welcome up Martin, brave volunteer. So just, just imagine for a second, Martin, if you just go there, that amazing. So Martin's, Martin's a, just imagine he's a friend of mine. He is actually, but you know, if you imagine he's a friend of mine, and Martin's there working away in the city, doing spreadsheets, doing emails, big business deals, seems to be absolutely nailing it. Now, he might be interested on what's on this side. He might be curious, but there's so much that's kind of getting in the way. He's got a busy family life. He's got to, you know, invest some time in his marriage. He's got, you know, all, he's very successful. So that kind of takes, you know, success takes up its own time. You know, he's got, he's got maybe some preconceptions from when he was a kid or preconceptions of his teenage years or he's met a slightly odd person who went to church once. There's all this stuff kind of gets in the way. So of his own volition, he's unlikely to come and see what the party's like. And, you know, we hang out together at work and every now and again, every, do you want to jump up here, Marcy? Every now and again, we can have a little chat. And don't take, I mean, don't underestimate the impact of this. The people you're speaking to at work, sometimes the only glimpse they'll get of how amazing the kingdom of God is, is your face. Isn't that terrifying? <laughs> so Martin sees me. That's the best shot he's got at the moment. We talk. And he gets a sense of maybe, a curiosity of something, a sense of something. But actually, the best way for me to show Martin what is actually going on is to just say very simply, like, I don't have all the answers. don't have it all worked out. Don't know how difficult your life is. Don't know what the solution might be. But why don't you just come and have a look? So Martin, you just say, Martin, why don't you just come around? Just, I know there's all this stuff. Don't worry about that for the moment. But just come and have a look. Come and see the vibe. Come and enjoy the party. And see, then Martin gets a chance to see for himself what it's all about. He gets to try it out. <laughs> Round of applause for Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you inviting people to? It's very simple. You're just saying, it's ready. It's done. Now's the time. This has been accomplished by Jesus. There's nothing you have to act, add to it. You know, the effort's been expended. The cost has been incurred. All you have to do is respond. 
just like a really open invitation. And it's a life-changing invitation. You know, and I have to remind myself, you know, that actually Jesus, the Son of God, loves me and gave himself for me. He loves you and gave himself for you. He took my sins on his shoulders. He paid the price. He shed his blood to win us peace with God so we can be children of God. And all we have to do is respond to his invitation. And when I realize that, it actually fills my heart with wonder. Like the breathless wonder of forgiveness. The breathless enthusiasm that he might have a purpose for my life. I can know God and be part of his purposes in this world. That's an awesome thing. And to the extent that fills my heart, to the extent I'll be motivated to invite others to experience it. You have to experience the wonder. And you also have to extend the invitation. Now, not every invitation you make will necessarily be successful. You know, it's, it's sometimes hard that people reject the invitation in this story. And I find it hard when people say, um, you know, it's not for me, or they say they're going to come and then they don't, or they laugh, or they don't respond to your text, or um, whatever. But don't let the odd disappointment kind of deter you from your desire to see people encounter Jesus. Because actually, you can't make an invitation to encounter Jesus without the risk of rejection or without the opportunity of salvation. Both those are live in any invitation you make to find out more about Jesus. Risk of rejection. You know, if, if people rejected Jesus to his face, they're likely to reject him to my face. Risk of rejection and the opportunity of salvation. What risk are you willing to take for this opportunity? For that difference in someone's life? No risk, no reward. And I'm so encouraged by you. I've had a number of conversations this week with people. Someone was talking to me and he said to me, oh, um, there's been someone I've been inviting, hoping to come on Alpha for eight years Eight years. I said, who is it? He said, oh, it's my boss. The director at my work. Eight years of invitations of your boss. That's brave. Each performance review, you know. <laughs> Eight years. And he said, but this time, she said, I'm going to come. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I would enjoy it. I'm going to come and give it a go. Someone else told me that they've invited a friend who they got to know at uni, one of their best mates from uni, the last two terms. Twice they've invited them over the last two terms. And both times, actually, you don't have to register. You can just turn up on Wednesday. But both terms, she's actually registered. And then on the Wednesday night, she's kind of pulled out. Things have come up, hasn't managed to get here. And it'd be quite easy to say, well, I've given it two shots. That's enough. But she said, well, I'm going I'm to give it a third. And this time, she said, she's registered again. She said, yeah, I'll come. Registered again. She says, actually, I think she's going to come this time. I think she's going to turn up. Someone else, um, a friend of mine, Will, he invited a colleague at work five times to Alpha. The first four times, he said no. It became like a joke in the office, you know, is it that time of year again? Are you going to ask me? Maybe, maybe not, we'll see, you know. But the fifth time, his friend said yes. Came on Alpha, and it completely transformed his life. See, he minds? This friend said no four times? No, he said... I it's a complete game changer to see one friend 
encounter Jesus, to realize that it's an actual possibility that it could happen this term, has changed my life. To these friend minds now, that you asked him five times, like, oh, why did you hassle me so much? No. I'm so thankful that you persevered. Look at the difference it's made to my life. And in this story that Jesus tells, the host is willing to risk rejection, embarrassment, to make himself vulnerable. Why? Because he wants them at his party. No risk, no reward. And I wonder, what are you prepared to risk? A bit of status? A bit of social capital? You know, it might change slightly someone's impression of you, but no risk, no reward. I love in this story the passion of the host. And when the rejections come in, he doesn't just kind of decide not to have a party because of the embarrassment or because of his anger. He says, no, because of this, I'm going to throw the doors open wider. He says, go out into the uh, roads and gather the poor, the lame, the blind. You know, I wonder if it's ever occurred to you that, that Jesus might actually be even more passionate about the person you care about coming to know him even than you are. He might know them even better than you know them. He might long for them to come home even more than you long for them to come home. He's there before you arrive to make the invitation. He's there when you make the invitation and he's there after you leave. That he knows your colleague, your boss, your friend, your partner. And that when you go, you go as a messenger of the Lord of all who knows every inch of this city and is for you. And I love it. The host invites these people at last minute, and they come. You know, sometimes a last-minute invitation is a good invitation. You know, what are you doing tonight? Netflix. Why don't you come to Alpha? It's a different thing. And then I love that the servant sees this passion of the host to draw people in, and he kind of catches it and takes the initiative and says, Sir, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. There's still room room and the master says go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full you see if you live in the roads and the country lanes you're on the periphery and if someone comes and they says you're invited to a big house in the center of town for this huge banquet your first response is going to be there must be some mistake it's not for people like me It's not for people who've messed up like me. It's not for people who aren't that kind of important like me. It's not for people who've made mistakes like me. It's not for people who feel the shame that I feel. And one of the things, the reason I have to compel them to come in, encourage them to come in, because otherwise they won't believe they're actually welcome. They won't believe they're actually invited. And there are people you know right now, right across this city, who think this isn't for them. Who think the wonder that we experience isn't for them. They wouldn't want to know me if I came. They wouldn't want to speak to me if they know the things I've done. They wouldn't want me, really want me there. Be better if I stayed away, better for everyone. But if you encourage them, if you welcome them, if you assure them, if you persuade them, then they will come. And it's worth the risk. I don't know if you know this, the latest research shows that one in five of the people you already know is curious and willing to have a conversation with you about Jesus. One in five. Those are good odds. They're not so bad. That's not much risk for a lot of potential reward. And just think of the reward. I mean, this matters. It's urgent. Listen to the words in the passage. Everything is ready now. Go out, 
quickly, not next term, not next year, now. It's urgent. People need to know. People need a chance to encounter Jesus. I don't want people in this city to face a lifetime without him or an eternity without him. They need to know whether they realize it or not. People are living lives of confusion because they don't understand that they are loved and known and honored. I mean, it's like Mauricio said, we were living in black and white. And now we're living in color. Don't you want your friends, your family, your colleagues to know what it means to see a life where you live in color? And that's something we can invite people today. And it's as simple as crossing the room and saying, I don't know everything, no pressure, but I think this might be a really great thing for you. Why don't you come and see? Why don't you give it a go? In Jesus' name, amen.